Welcome to the Faith Assembly Podcast. We're so glad that you joined us today. It is our desire at Faith to help you connect, grow, and go in your walk with God. We hope you're encouraged by this message from Pastor Steve. Praise the Lord. If you have your Bible with you this morning, I want you to turn with me to Psalm 23. And having found your place at Psalm 23, just hang on because that is going to be our arrival, not our roadway. And uh, we're, we're going to get there this morning sooner or later, okay? And everybody said amen to sooner. So, I want to talk to you this morning. We're continuing our series, Jesus Loves Me, and we're discussing the various ways that Jesus does express or has expressed love for us in our lives. And one of the ways that Jesus loves us so affectionately is that Jesus leads us. Jesus leads us. And there's some, there's some ideas and surrounding the subject of lordship that you and I here in the 21st century America, we don't fully understand. We don't fully grasp. And it gives us kind of a skewed idea of what it means to serve the Lord and to live in obedience to Christ. Our, ours is not really a society that's built on the idea of being subject to the lordship of anyone else, is it? Uh, in fact, there seems to be an increasing disdain for people in positions of authority and places of headship. And, and there are good reasons for this, I understand. And, you know, there are often abuses of power. Uh, there have been overreaches in those positions of authority. There are unethical behavior uh, and it sometimes makes it difficult to trust in the leadership of those in authority. But my hope for you today is that by the time we conclude this message that you will see that the reason Jesus leads you is because he loves you. That the Bible is not merely a list of do's and don'ts and rules and regulations but it is a pathway to the greatest life that you could ever hope to live if we simply follow the principles that are set before us in the Word of God. Now, I want to just speak on this for just a minute. I want you to, look, first of all, look at your neighbor and tell him, Jesus loves me, so he leads me. Jesus loves me, so he leads me. Now, there is a natural resistance in us to leadership. And mainly because how many of you appreciate being told what to do? That's me trying to raise my hand, but I cannot tell a lie. So we have a natural resistance to being told what to do and you know, secondly, we're often concerned for my welfare, what's in it for me, how, how am I going to be in control of the outcome if I'm not determining the direction? How many of you find it hard sometimes to obey what it says in the Word because you're concerned that where that leads you is not really where you're going to want to be? You have a hard time forgiving because you enjoy holding the grudge, and after all, who's going to settle the score if you don't? Right? Things like that sometimes make us resistant to where the Lord wants to lead us. And let's just face it, submission is hard. 
submission is hard. And sometimes as it relates to our willingness or availability to follow Jesus in his leading for our lives, it relates back to a misunderstanding about his relationship, his, his leadership, about the purpose of his leadership. Can I tell you today that maybe you grew up learning about a God that set a list of rules in front of you and said, look, I may have gotten you out of this jam one time, but you mess up. Like, I have heard people preach about a loving God who loved you so much that he sent his son to die on a cross for you. And in the same breath, it sounds almost like he's waiting with a cosmic whipping stick just waiting for you to get out of line and come back in. Can I tell you that the Lord doesn't want to lead you because he's a tyrant? That's not why Jesus wants to lead you in your life. Jesus doesn't want to lead you because he's egotistical. It doesn't do anything to inflate him or to blow him up because we choose to follow him. It's not because he's a tyrant. It's not because he's egotistical. And I think the idea when we hear things like Jesus saying, if you love me, keep my commandments. Or maybe we hear the Apostle Paul saying, you're no longer your own, but you've been bought with a price. We tend to believe that the Christian life is going to be a real drag because we're going to be indentured servants for the rest of our lives with no will whatsoever of our own. And that is completely counter to the message of the cross. If all God wanted to do was to usher us into slavery, you understand he could have done that without sending his son to die on a cross. He, he could have accomplished that without sending Jesus to die. You see, when, when kings are after subjection, they don't come in submissiveness. Jesus came into this world submissive. He made himself of no reputation and took on the form of a servant and being found in the form of a servant became obedient to the death, even the death on the cross. And he did that and, and to, to save us and to redeem us, but not simply just to lord over us and give us commandments to follow, a rule, list of rules of do and don't. Now, Stick with me here because it's going to be very important that you hear everything I say this morning because I'm not trying to lead you down a pathway of greasy grace either that's going to say you do whatever you want to and everything's going to be okay because we don't subscribe to that either. But kings don't come in submissiveness when their desire is to subject people to slavery. They come to conquer. And the only thing that Jesus came to conquer was the rule of sin and death so that you and I would no longer be bound in the darkness and the slavery of sin and that we would be given a hope of eternal life with him. The reason the Bible is so full of direction and leadership from the Lord is that he wants us to be positioned in the greatest way possible to experience the kind of life that he intends for us to have. Do you know why Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commandments? Because he knows that his commandments for you are the best way. 
They're, they are the, they're the right way. They're the way you need to do things. They're the way that's going to position you to greater blessing in your own life. And how many of you are parents in the house this morning and you're thinking about your kids right now and you're thinking to yourself, if you love me, keep my commandments. And the reason that you think that is not because you just simply want to lord over them, but it's because you see a pathway. You've got a few more years experience in life and you know what the end of some of the things they are in is, is, is going to lead them to. And you're thinking, man, if you love me, keep my commandments because the way you're going right now is breaking my heart. It's breaking my heart. You see, I believe it breaks the heart of God when we turn away from the things that he's asked of us and the positioning that he's trying to move us towards so that we can experience a greater blessing. I believe it breaks his heart when we miss out on the fullness of what he has for us. And if we simply follow the Bible, it, it's a better life than anything that we could have imagined. It's a life that exceeds our wildest imaginations. It's also a life that requires faith, and we have to trust in the finished work of Christ, and we have to trust that what he asks of us is what is best for us. And therefore, it generates in us a willingness to follow after him and to walk according to his word. You see, when we hear Paul say, I am a bondservant of, Christ, of Jesus Christ, or I have become a slave, that's not, because Paul, uh, the, that's not because life for Paul has been reduced to that state. It's because he recognizes the abundance of God's grace over his life, and he knows that the very least that he can do in return for the one who died for him is to live for him in response. How do you look at Calvary? How do you look at the cross? How do you look at the suffering Christ and not say, if that's what you are willing to do for me, then I give my body, I give my person a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto you, which is my reasonable service. It's not just because I'm under compulsion, but when I behold the wonder of the cross, I want to live for him. I want to please him. I want to trust that if he was willing to do that for me, then wherever he leads me is going to be the best. It's going to be the best thing for me. When we hear Jesus say, if you love me, keep my commandments, it's not because he wants to sap all the life out of you. It's just because he has a command, and what that command is, is the, is the best for you, and he loves you, and therefore he wants to lead you. He's not trying to make life hard. The reason that Jesus asked for leadership and lordship in your life is not to make life difficult for you. I know Jesus says in Luke 9, 23, that if any man would follow him, he must first deny himself and take up his cross and follow him. And understand this, there is a burden to be born for serving Christ. You will be rejected and despised of this world. But Paul also says that he reckons that the things that we face in this life are just minute when compared to the glory that's going to be revealed in us. And while Jesus did say that we have to take up our cross and follow him and walk in submission, he also says this, Come unto me, all you that are wearied and heavy laden. And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you. Because I am humble and gentle at heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear. 
and the burden I give you is light. See, Jesus doesn't say, here, let me lead you and let me set this standard in front of you so that you can have some hoops to jump through. It's not to set up bars for us to perform well enough. Ephesians chapter 2, 8 and 9 says, God saved you. I love the phrasing of this from the New Living Translation. It says, God saved you by his grace when you believed, and you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done so no one can boast about it. Many Christians propose a system of works just as the Pharisees did in Jesus' day. And, and the purpose of those, honestly, is to set themselves above other people. You know, I'll set the standard. I'll see where I'm doing better in life than you are, and that's where I'll set the standard. And if you can't reach it, then I'm morally superior to you. Well, let me tell you this. If you're in this place today and you're saved, it is by no other means and no other reason than the shed blood and the broken body of Jesus Christ. It is not a reward for the good things that we have done, so no one can boast about it. Jesus wants to lead you, but it's not to spoil all the fun. Many people believe that being a Christian means that you can't have fun anymore. And, and believe me, I've met those people, and I understand how you might have gotten that impression. But it's just not true. I have a lot of fun. You ask my wife. I have a lot of fun. Now, sure, as a believer, as a believer, you don't need to be down at the bar getting drunk out of your mind. You don't need to be giving your body over to substances that take control of your mind. You don't need to be involved in promiscuity promiscuous sexuality. Why? Because it's destructive behavior. Why does God tell you not to do that? Because it will destroy you. And Jesus said, I've come that you would have abundant life, not live in destruction. It's sinful and it's dark and it separates you from the presence of God. Why does Jesus lead you? Jesus leads me because he loves me. Everybody tries to reduce, or a lot of people try to reduce Christianity to a list of do's and don'ts. But the truth of the matter is that God has set forth standards in the Bible for living that would greatly enhance the lives and free many people from difficulties if they simply did what he said. You understand that? If everybody just lived by the principles of the Bible, now let's take faith aside. Let's, let's hold that over here independent from what I'm saying for just a minute. And let's just talk about behavior. If we simply as human beings behaved in accordance with the word of God, just think about how much better the world would be. Okay? Think about the things that we would not have to deal with. Murder, adultery, theft, abuse, lying, manipulation, wars, on and on this list could go. 
if people simply said, hey, you know what? I believe that the almighty creator of heaven and earth, the God who created me, might know more about this life that I live than I do. Because honestly, we're just looking at life through a pinhole. We're just seeing it pass by in little increments of time, but God has known your beginning from your end. He knows everything about you. He knows the number of the hairs on your head. He knows when you came into this world, he knows when you'll go out. And he knows everything in between. So why not simply trust him? Think about the things that we would have if everybody just lived by the Bible. We'd have equality. We'd have peace. We'd have stability. We'd have honesty, commitment, truth, love for God and our neighbor as ourselves. We'd have joy. We'd have patience. And that list just goes on and on and on if we simply lived by the word. If we simply just looked into the word and we heard the voice of the Lord say, this is the way, walk in it. This is the way, walk in it. If you never profess faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, never claim him as your own, but simply committed to living by biblical principles, the quality of your life would improve simply by adopting the standards that God has put in place. Why? Because he loves you. Because he loves you. He didn't set up a list of rules again just simply to test you, to see if you're going to get out of line, if he's going to need to smack you at some point. I used to live every day. And I was fearful. I believe, Chet, this baptism brings back remembrance of the last. And part of his testimony was that he wanted to be baptized again simply because he had reached a point in life of understanding the grace and the goodness of God. That God wasn't angry with him. That God wasn't waiting to get him. But he just loved him. He's just resting in that love. In the grand scheme of things, the things that we deem to be and always preach about as being pleasing to God are actually good for us. It's to your benefit not to steal. It's to your benefit not to murder. It's to your benefit not to gossip. It's for your benefit not to be a glutton. It's for your benefit to live a modest life. It's to your advantage not to commit adultery. Jesus wants to lead us because we're adopted. See, that's what Jesus came and died on the cross to do, is to adopt us into God's family. I want you to look with me in Romans chapter 8, verse 15, and it says this. And again, I'm going to read from the New Living Translation because I love the phrasing here. It says, so you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own child. Now we call him Abba, Father. Wow. You know, as Pastor Glenn pointed out earlier, and we saw the Downey family here celebrating the adoption of those two young men into their family. I was thinking about that. And you know, the reason that if I can just speak for them and they can pose an objection at any point, 
But the reason that Gary and Kathy adopted those two little boys was not because they needed someone around the house to serve them or to have somebody to boss around. It's because they had a life to share with those who desperately needed it. They had life to share with those who were going to be enriched by their sharing. They had love to give. They had resources to share. And they have a nurturing spirit that wants what's best for those young men. That's why... They were adopted. That's why we celebrate. And can I tell you the same thing is true of God? You have not received the spirit that makes you fearful slaves, but you have received the spirit of God that has adopted you as his own children. Why? Because he has life to give you. He has resources to impart to you. He has love to bestow upon you. When the Lord leads us, it's so that we can be best positioned to receive his life. Jesus said the thief's purpose is to steal and to kill and destroy. But my purpose, my purpose is to give them rich and satisfying life. If you've ever thought that serving the Lord was a drag... You heard the wrong gospel. If you've ever thought that serving God was burdensome and cumbersome and was going to depress you and all you could do was sit around singing sad songs to an organ grind, you heard the wrong gospel. I've got a river of life flowing out of me. Makes the lame to walk and the blind to see. Opens prison doors. Sets the captive. That's what Jesus did for me. I'm happy. Paul said, concerning the Christian walk or his Christian walk, he said, my old self has been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You see, light and darkness cannot occupy the same space. When we walked in this room, when Byron walked in this room, I know Byron walked in here first, had to be. And he hit the switch and all the lights came on. Guess what? It wasn't dark anymore. When he walks out and hits the switch again, guess what? It won't be light anymore. Because light and dark cannot occupy the same space. Light and dark cannot occupy the same space. And if we want to have the life of Christ in us, as Paul expressed and Jesus promised, we cannot allow the darkness of sin to abide in our lives. We have to walk in the light as he is in the light. But it's not just so that we're keeping the rule book. It's so that his life is being poured in us in abundance and we're walking in the fullness of what he has offered us. Sin diminishes. Sin destroys. Sin separates. But Jesus has life to give. He has resources to share. He has abundance to offer. Verse 
And if you've ever thought for a minute that you couldn't have fun, that you couldn't enjoy life because you were a follower of Jesus Christ, I'm telling you, you've read it wrong. You've read it wrong. Come unto me, all you that are burdened and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Joy unspeakable and full of glory. That doesn't sound like the doldrums to me. That sounds like fullness and abundance. And I want to position myself. The reason that we pray and we say, Lord, not your will, not my will. We probably pray the former too often. That's part of the problem here. But the reason that we pray, Lord, not my will, but yours be done is because we trust that the God of creation, when sin had separated us from his presence, loved us so much and cared for us so intimately that he sent his only begotten son into the world that whoever believes in him wasn't issued the rule book but was given everlasting life. Now, if that is the beginning of salvation and that is the genesis of the Christian life, then why would I not believe and readily accept that he has so much more in store for me? That if he was willing to come and die to give me eternal life, he would love me enough to lead me into abundant life. Right? The psalmist was well familiar with the paradigm of shepherding and being a sheep. And he wrote in the Psalms a verse that depicts the Lord as a shepherd. And he says these words, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Understand the word want there is to suffer lack. It's it's not that you're walking through Macy's and you never suffer want. But it's to be in need and not have it supplied. It's to suffer lack. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. You understand simply that we're talking about shepherding and sheep. That green pastures is indicative of abundance and things that satisfy the deepest longings and hungers that we have. He leads me beside the still waters. Peace. Tranquility. He restores my soul. Things that this world has eaten out of me and beaten out of me. 
He leads me to places where my soul can be restored. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. What do I get from being in the path of righteousness? I'm positioned to receive his favor and his blessing. And I can tell you, your supervisor at work doesn't have anything to equate to that in store for you. The payroll department can't give you a big enough raise to to rival the favor and the blessing of God being on your life. Listen to this. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. And you know what? Just generally speaking, not, not assigning any blame or saying, I know some of your business, I don't. But just statistically speaking about a, a room this size. For most of us, if we could find a place to lay down fear, we'd have revival in this house right now. If we could just let go of the trepidation and, and here the psalmist has mentioned one of the greatest fears that we might encounter on this side of heaven. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Can I tell you today, church, God is not going to lead you anywhere that he's not going to accompany you, that he's not going to go with you. I was sitting in here in the dark one day just waiting before the Lord no lights on you may think that's strange but sometimes you just don't want to be distracted by anything and I heard the door open and it was one of our preschool teachers and she was trying to coerce one of her four-year-old students to reach inside the door here and turn on the light because she was afraid to take the one step in the dark to turn the light on. Oh boy. She's having a hard time living that down too because I was already in here and I heard it all. Sometimes we're that way though. The doors swing open and we can't see clearly exactly where it is the Lord is leading us. It, It seems dark. And it seems treacherous. And it seems difficult. And, and we're just kind of standing there at the door trying to coerce somebody else to go ahead of us because we're not sure about it. But the psalmist says, I won't fear any evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup runs over. How many of you have a hard time? You're having a drink from the saucer of life because your cup is just running over. You can't keep up with the goodness that God is pouring into your lives. I'm telling you, that's where he wants to lead you to, church. That's where he wants to lead you, people of God. 
And right now, if you're in this place and say, I don't know Jesus as my personal Savior, but I sense the draw of the Holy Spirit, can I tell you that the Holy Spirit's not trying to lead you into captivity this morning, but He's trying to lead you to a place where you can have the same testimony as David and say, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not walk. He makes me to lie down in the green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul and leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for he is with me. His rod and his staff comfort me. And he prepares a table for me in the presence of my enemies and anoints my head with oil. My cup runs over and surely... Not maybe, not kinda, but surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Hallelujah. And listen to this. I will I will. Oh, you may not have got everything you wanted in this life. Maybe you had a different direction plotted. Maybe you had a different course charted out when the Holy Spirit knocked on your heart's door and said, this is the way, walk in it. Maybe you had to walk away from some desires. Maybe you had to lay some things down at the feet of Jesus, at the foot of the cross. But the psalmist concludes here and said, I will. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I want to tell you something today, church, people of God, you will not forfeit one thing on this earth that God will not pay, repay many times over when we all get to heaven. What a day of rejoicing it will be. It's going to be worth it all, church. It's going to be worth it all, church. Wherever he leads, if we follow him, it will be worth it all when we see Jesus. We will not want. We will experience the abundance that he offers. We rest in the peace that he offers. Our ways will be pleasing to him and command his blessing over our lives. Fear is dispatched and I can rest in his care for me in spite of my enemies. I can walk in the assurance that his goodness and his mercy are following me. And I can live with the assurance that heaven will be my home if I follow him. Jesus loves me. Therefore, he leads me. Oh, you're not doing a juggling act for God, keeping up your little perfect attendance record. I'm telling you, if you live a life to please him, it's for your benefit. It's advantageous for you. And sure, if you want to consider yourself a bondservant to Jesus Christ, then I think that is well in order. Paul said to the Roman church, it's our reasonable service. Amen.
Everybody stand all across this sanctuary this morning. Every head bowed and every eyes closed. Saint of God, would you just begin to pray? And would you just begin to express your thanks to God for his leading in your life? I'm going to issue two calls this morning. One is simply this. If you're in this place today and you'd say, Pastor, I have not committed to following the leadership of Jesus Christ. I have not made the same confession of faith that those who were baptized this morning have. And I believe that right now is that time in my life I want to know Jesus in a very special and different way than I ever have before. If you're here today and that's you, would you just slip a hand up to heaven? Thank you. Thank you. Are there others this morning? Thank you. Just hold a hand up and thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. And the second part is this. Say, Pastor, I'm here. And I love Jesus. And I've heard the gospel all my life. But sometimes, in some ways, in some areas of my life, I just have a hard time letting go. And allowing God to lead my life and to direct my steps. If that's you, would you just slip a hand up right wherever you are? Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yes. Yes. Thank you so much. When I was a kid, we used to sing a song. Simply said, I have decided to follow Jesus. The cross before me, the world behind me, and there's no turning back. No turning back. I want to ask just one more thing this morning. And, and there's nothing really specific about what we're about to ask, and we do this in various ways. But today I just simply feel compelled to say if you raise your hand for any purpose, whatsoever today would you be so bold as just to it's making a mark a line in the sand that says this is the moment where it changes this is where I yield to the leadership of the Holy Spirit in my life if you raised a hand earlier would you just step out from where you are and come and stand down at these altars we're not going to embarrass you. Just simply going to pray with you this morning and believe God for the continuation of a miracle in your life. Would you come? Would you come quickly? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.
Thank you, Jesus. Are there others? Praise the Lord. I want to ask you all to join me in a very simple prayer. And would you just pray with me in this way? Father, I thank you for your amazing grace. I thank you for loving me. And I thank you for leading me. I thank you for Calvary. I thank you for forgiveness. And Lord, I confess my sins to you. I give you my heart from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you prayed that simple prayer and you never have before, we believe that you're born again. But then I know there are those here this morning that there's representative of more than that we've heard the old adage let go and let God and sometimes it's just hard for us to trust that leading faith is the substance of things hoped for the evidence of things not seen hence the difficulty we're very tangible creatures But I want to pray for you this morning, each of you that raised a hand that indicated that you're having a hard time letting some things go. That you would receive right now from the Holy Spirit the measure of faith that you need to be able to lay those things down and entrust them to the hand of Jesus and walk according to His call. As a matter of fact, I want to, as we close this morning, I want to ask my pastors, my prayer warriors, if you would come and gather in behind these. Pastor Wayne, if you and Luke can make it out as well. Father, we stand before you right now, just as the centurion stood before Jesus and said, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. God, I know that right now before me there is representation of so many hardships and so many trials and so many things that testify against what you're doing in the lives of these people. But God, nonetheless, we stand here today and we pray. God, I believe. Help my unbelief. God, I pray that every witness, everything that exalts itself against the knowledge of who you are would fall silent in their ears right now in Jesus' name. 
God, as they attempt to let go and trust you, Lord, and walk in the statutes that you've set before them and walk in accordance with your Holy Spirit, Lord, that you would just give them a measure of faith that they need in this season right now. God, to be able to move forward, to move ahead in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We hope you enjoyed this inspirational message today. If you would like more information about Faith Assembly, please visit us on the web at faith-assembly.org. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you have a blessed day.